On this episode, Jake once again proves his worth with a fantastic guest in Pat Caputo. We talk Lions, Jared Goff, Stafford, trade, the new organization, the new system, everything going on, and even the overall state of the four Detroit sports. That's all next on the Michigan State of Sports. Welcome in on a Friday. Hope you're all looking forward to your weekend. Tony Garcia joined by the now even more famous than he already was, Jake Reedman. What's up, bro? Listen, listen. Also, it's I'm pointing it out right away because if and when this episode goes off the rails, we're trying something new today. And you know, like like any time in my life where I'm expecting to fail, I, I I throw it out there right away so that it's not as much of a surprise. But I buried the lead. We are in studio, kind of. We'll call. We're at my kitchen table together in the same room, in the flesh. And we are leaning in using the same microphone. <laughs> and um, because I was not prepared and didn't bring mine, it is intimate. I was just about to say, regardless, like we were tight before this, but um, our our friendship has reached a new level. It has. We've, I mean, we've only been together at the at the studio at the real studio at the ticket before, and then in the same virtual Zoom room now. Fifteen. Yeah, times. yeah. It, actually, that's a really good point. I don't know if people actually know how we. Uh, this is sounding like we're dating, which we're not. Tony has. This a gr- is how we met. <laughs> yeah. It was so unexpected. But um, no, well, it so- was unexpected for you. I just I slid into your DMs. This is getting this is getting worse by the second. You know, it never happens from the females, so I I, I welcomed it with open arms. Yep. And Tony did a little job shadow at the ticket pre-COVID days when people were allowed in the building. And I did my best to talk him out of the industry. I said it sucks. Um, there's no reward. There's no financial gain. You're miserable more often than not. And when you do it in Detroit, it's even worse. And Tony didn't take a word of that to heart. And now he's working in the state of Michigan in sports. In Well, not quite in sports yet. In news. Okay. All but, right. So you can listen to me a little bit. Then. Well, I didn't get the job in sports. So I had to go to news. So it's really worse. And I'm not in Detroit like you. I'm in Lansing. So I, I, the, it's, the main, it's tough. The disappointment is is It's already there. You were right. All right, all right so right. now I know I know to trust you. Uh, and so it's a different guest than we had originally planned for today. But fantastic. One and the same coming up, Pat Caputo. And has a lot of great things to say about Jake. And I just wanted to echo those sentiments. I don't think you guys know how famous Jake is. Because A, not only are we thinking he's going to be on The Bachelorette, he is well on his way. I saw a recent article about you and how you are the voice of of Northwood Sports. So not only were you back-to-back full segments, not a 15-minute segment. I mean, Jake Ritma was an hour plus of 97 won the ticket content. Two days in a row, and then I go on my Facebook, and the is it the Midland Daily News? Yes, is, the is, Midland, yes, Daily, the Midland News. Daily News yeah, yeah. interviewed Probably. Probably. our very own Jake Ritma about his dedication to the craft, driving from Detroit back to his hometown of Midland, and I'm glad I got in while the I got in at the ground floor. I was I was Reddit 
for GameStop, and you are the stock, my friend, that has skyrocketed. Well, Tony, you're, you're gassing me up here, and you know that makes me feel uncomfortable, so I need to find a way. And it's very clear when you have nothing going in life, you don't have a very, you don't have a social life. You you have to devote those out. There's 24 hours in the day, and you have to devote them to something. And so, because I I'm not saying that uh, you know don't take this personally, but uh, you're a great guy, you're awesome, and everything, and I enjoy spending time together. But if and when like maybe I meet a female on the Bachelorette, perhaps I'm gonna spend less time being a workaholic and and try to try to make that transition into adulthood because it certainly hasn't happened yet. But no, seriously, I I, I do appreciate the kind words. It, it's been a weird week. I mean. This, the whole Bachelorette thing happened in... We did a horrible job of prefacing this, and I'm going to do a horrible job by cutting you off, but a producer reached out to Jake asking him for a video uh, talking about himself to be a contestant, potentially, on the next season of The Bachelorette. So for anybody who missed the segment, it was gold, by the way. I'm sure you have it archived somewhere. The people want to hear it. Ah, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to work on that. But uh, no, we're we uh, we did we're putting the cart in front of the horse a little bit. I always mess that saying up. But yeah, it it, it happened fast. I've and it wasn't me. It wasn't my doing. Um, I was nominated by some some people that thought maybe I would make a good contestant. And we're very much in the, the ground stages. You know, we're, we do not want to get ahead of ourselves here. The video is going to, it's not done yet. It's going to be a lot of fun because I'm going to, I've gotten permission and the green light from both my brother and his dear wife, my sister-in-law to use their, the cutest, my beautiful niece. She's three years old and absolutely hilarious. And we're going to use her on the video because more of her, less of me would definitely be appealing to the producers. And we're going to try and see if she can convince them to get me on The Bachelorette. That's the way to go. Um, that reminds me of something that's almost not at all related, but is in my weird, twisted mind. When I, when Michelle and I, my girlfriend, got our very cute puppy Tyson. He was about 12 weeks old. This was at the same time as her twin nieces were both one year old and we were trying to spruce up my buddy's dating profile. Oh, and I yeah. said, for about 20 bucks, I'll <laughs> I'll rent you twin one-year-old girls and a 12-week-old puppy. And if that can't get you um, I mean, some, some some swipe rights, right. then then you're hopeless, and that's you're implementing the exact same philosophy on a grander scale. Yeah, I mean, desperate times calls for desperate measures, and like I said, more, less of me, more of anybody else. So puppy, kid, anything would be appealing for this. But uh, but yeah, it's 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 been a weird week, but I'm excited to be here, excited to be with you, excited to talk to Pat Caputo coming up here on the Michigan State of Sports. We're gonna have a lot of fun on this episode, and uh, just a, a lot going on no better no better place to spend it than tuning in to the Michigan State of Sports but we know the Michigan State of Sports would not be possible without our dear friends without our presenting sponsor that's right cutting edge landscaping you know them well they are near and dear to our heart and they are a 365 day a year outdoor landscaping service snow rain sleet and I don't know if you see the weather that's coming it will probably have already dropped by the time you hear this Friday morning but Inclement weather is on the way, and it is not too late to get the 24-hour snow and ice removal. Go to a2cuttingedge.com, get a quote, get a consultation from Joe, and see how he and his team can help you out. All right, without further ado, it's time to dive in to our featured guest of this episode on the Michigan State of Sports, none other than Pat Caputo. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we now welcome on very special guest, a guy that needs no introduction. He's probably forgot more sports than I actually know. But uh, without further ado, it's the man they call Pat Caputo. What's up, Jake? How you doing, buddy? Doing real well, doing real well in this episode of the Michigan State of Sports. What better thing to, to dive into than uh, kind of putting, finally tying a bow on one of the biggest stories that uh, we've been discussing over the course of the last two weeks. But number nine finally officially has his destination. He's on his way to Los Angeles. And we'll start with just your overall takes on the trade and Matthew Stafford being sent to the Los Angeles Rams in exchange for some draft capital. Well, uh, I think it was a, a great trade by the Lions. I mean, it was, uh, you know, at worst, they end up with two number one draft picks and a third rounder. Uh, which is a pretty good haul for Stafford. And in addition to that, uh, they may end up with their quarterback of the future or uh, somebody in uh, uh, Jared Goff that they can uh, flip into draft capital if he plays well, more draft capital, or at worst, you know, move on from Jared Goff. They don't need a bunch of cap space right now or anything because of the situation they're in. And they'll be left with uh, two number one draft picks and a third rounder. Now, if Stafford goes to uh, LA and wins a Super Bowl, you know, there, I think there'll be like, Oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. And if they don't make good draft picks, it won't be uh, a good thing. And, it, and Lions actually would benefit from Stafford not doing well there because their trap draft capital would have much more value if the Rams aren't good the next couple of years. Yeah. You know, I don't think there is a guarantee. First of all, thank you for coming on Pat. I really, we really appreciate it. No, I appreciate um, you guys. There's, there's no guarantee that he's going to succeed. I mean, of course, there's a ton of talent, but I think the NFC West is the best division in football. And so, but I mean, bringing it back to the Lions, what what would you do with Jared Goff? I mean, do you sort of ride it out at least this year and, and see what he brings you? Or do you start looking if you can immediately do a flip like Troy Weaver was doing sort of with the Pistons? How would you handle this? Well, I think the thing with, uh, first of all, you can't flip him now. Uh, his uh, dead cap hit is like with Stafford in the previous couple years. It's just, yeah. you know, too much. Uh, you can starting after next year a little bit and then really after that. So it gives them flexibility. Like uh, say the draft picks come up here and you got six picks before the Lions are selecting and they like uh, three of the quarterbacks, but all three of the quarterbacks, uh, Zach Wilson, Lawrence, and uh, say it's uh, Justin Fields are taken. And they're not so high on Trey Lance. Well, they got the flexibility of passing on Trey Lance. And say they like a quarterback a little bit later, you know. Uh, you know, the Mon kid, uh, Kellen Mon, who played so well at the senior bowl practices of the game. Felipe Frank, who used to play at Florida, had a pretty good year at Arkansas. Maybe, you know, take somebody like that with the third-round pick that they got, the extra third-round pick. Start doing some things along those lines. And, uh, you know, not be forced into doing something with the quarterback that they don't want to do. And, and say their team is really bad, they end up with one of the first couple picks in the draft next year. They got a shot at Sam Howell from North Carolina or Caden Slovis, uh, you know, so it, and, and still have a first round pick. So uh, another one. So they're in a pretty good spot there. The key is making, of course, the right picks. And they also know golf. You know, obviously Brad Holmes uh, was around him, was integral in him being drafted. So they have a pretty good idea what they're getting here, you know, and it's it really uh, it's the Rams who, you know, took the super, super gamble 
You know, they're, they're putting all their eggs in Matthew Stafford's basket. They really are. Uh, in order to top Jared Goff, they have to win the Super Bowl. So in Goff, you know, he, he, he's got like Matthew Stafford, the turnover DNA thing in him. You know, at the bad time, that's a problem. And it was, it was really bad this past year. He, he also had four fumbles in addition to the interceptions. And, you know, there are uh, certain things about him where you look and you say, well, he, he didn't progress. He, he regressed this year, but he's 26. So, uh, you know, you get a chance to see if he's your guy. And if he comes in and he lights it up, uh, then you can extend him and go and use the draft capital for other things. Your team will be doing well. So it's really uh, a no-lose situation for the Lions unless they have no ability to draft well. All right, Pat. I think I know the answer to this question because I've had the pleasure of working with you, which we have a good time on those those shows. But let's say, for example, just hypothetically here, Pat, you were on a Los Angeles radio station or or Los Angeles television station. And they were asking you, all right, Pat Caputo, what can we expect from Matthew Stafford? Give us, give us in a minute or two, what Rams fans should expect from Matthew Stafford. And if he can be that guy. Well, Jake, um, you know, first of all, if I were a host in LA and they made this trade and I didn't know all the things that like, you know, and uh, Tony knows and everybody that, uh, is a Lions fan knows about Stafford. I'd probably say, hey, it was great. Maybe this will give him a shot. I, I really don't know. But having seen it up close and personal and spending a lot of time uh, delving into the actual stats, you know, everybody talks about uh, Stafford stats. I would tell uh, folks, I'd say, hey, look, and as this hasn't been talked about by the national pundits the way it should. Or, you know, people who are sycophantic about Stafford, he's like Joan of Arc burning at the stake because he's played for the Lions and is a martyr. The bottom line about him <laughs> is that he's melted down at key times. If, if, if there's a minute left in the game and you need to move 75 yards, Matthew Stafford's the best quarterback literally in the world for that. I mean, he, he's gone. Everybody backs up. You can see the defense is doing things. He's good when uh, everything kind of falls apart and there's a coaching change immediately. He comes out and starts lighting it up. The problem is, is when there's expectations heightened, that's when Matthew Stafford has had some serious meltdowns. Now, if we're on a podcast. I'll give you the, the gory details. I'm sure uh, Jake's heard it a lot, but I'll, I'll bore Ant- Anthony with this, Tony, uh, just on this. You know, Matthew Stafford, 2013. Lions are six and three. Uh, their schedule has all losing teams except for one on their schedule. All right. They're in the playoff. They're going to win it. The Packers are terrible that year. They're one of the losing teams. What happens? Stafford throws 12 interceptions in seven games. The Lions lose six out of seven. The game on Monday night against the Ravens, in which they lost, the Ravens, didn't, they didn't score a touchdown. It wasn't the defense or the lack of running game. He was terrible. He was terrible against the Giants who were playing for nothing the following week. His coach gets fired. It's like, he's never had a good coach. His coach got extended the year before. His coach was the one that helped him build up his career, Schwartz, and his offensive coordinator, Lenahan. But it's like Matthew Stafford's a victim. Following year, they bring in Jim Caldwell. Their defense, and I don't know if their defense was really that good, but Levy was playing great. Sue was, you know, playing well. 
you know, they had a good, they signed uh, Glover Quinn, who was a very significant part of their team at the time. And they go 11 and five playing against Giovanni Smith, a rookie version of Teddy Bridgewater without uh, Adrian Peterson, uh, Jimmy Clausen. I mean, it was just a list of quarterbacks from nowhere that they were competing against. They go 11 and five, right? The playoff game happens, right? Uh, Stafford has his worst year statistically, okay, of the years from uh, the 2010 until 2018 when he melted down again. Now, uh, but the team won 11 games. So you go to the next year, expectations are heightened. Lions on Monday night football, Sunday night football, Thursday night football. They're the team, uh, the, the sheep team, everybody's picking. They start out one and seven. They say, well, oh, what happens if Stafford threw 11 interceptions in eight games? All right. They were one and seven, 11 interceptions in eight games. That defense that they had, you know, and everything, you know, <laughs> you know it's the same basic thing. And Mayhew, the general manager who drafted him, Tom Lewan, the team president, who gave him $42 million guaranteed before the slot cap thing when he was the first overall pick, they get fired. Joe Lombardi, his offensive coordinator, who, by the way, was just hired by the Chargers to mentor uh, Justin Herbert as their offensive coordinator, he gets fired. And a couple line coaches, Lions are celebrated as this. They bring in Jim Bob Cooter, the quarterback's coach. He's elevated offensive coordinator. Stafford starts lighting it up. You know, I mean, his completion percentages go up. Jim Bob Cooter's the ideal fit for him. You know, he's not throwing the ball down the field as much as he was before, and it's you know, celebrated that he's become much more efficient. They finished six and two. They're going great. And then, you know, what happens the next year is Quinn comes in. They start out nine and four. Stafford has all these comebacks. Remember, that was the year with the eight comebacks. They're nine and four. Last three games of that year. Look it up. What happened? What happened in the playoff game at Seattle? Look it up. Next year, you know, the team's kind of floundering, doing some things, but Stafford's numbers are still completion percentages up in some of those things. They have a game at Cincinnati that they lose that basically that was the end of Caldwell. If everybody Christmas remembers. Eve. Yeah, yeah. Christmas the Eve. The Bengals were just awful. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Again, another key point where he really had to do something, you know, and he just didn't get it done. You know, lift the team on his shoulders. Goes in uh, and they hire a new coach. Matt Patricia, you know, media asks Matthew Stafford, what about Jim Bob Cooter? You know, what do you think about him? Because he'd improved under Bob, Jim Bob Cooter. He says, yeah, I'd love to have Jim Bob. I'm not making the decision or whatever. Well, it turns out that they kept Jim Bob Cooter the following year, right? He was the offensive coordinator. They play their first uh, game against the Monday night football or whatever, and it was terrible. Stafford pick six. The Darren Lee from Ohio State. Yeah, the Jets. Sam Darnold, you know, lights it up against them. They have a game in San Francisco, and then then they win three out of four. You know, right there, and they're three and three. And Stafford played well in the one loss they had at Dallas, and he was playing well, and everything was coming together. They play Seattle, which is three and three, at Ford Field. Seattle's in a rebuilding mode. All right, Stafford key interception at the end of the game when he's trying to help him come back. Strip sack fumble. He plays terribly. All right, Lions go to three and four. And then the next week in Minnesota, that's when he had that goofy pitch to carry on Johnson. He got sacked 10 times because he's sitting there holding the ball. He left his offensive line hanging out to dry. They're settling for field goal attempts. 
And, you know, anytime they're going in the scoring zone, that was a problem in the loss to Dallas earlier in the games. And then everything goes to heck in a handbasket. He's awful. He gets hurt in game 13 after that Thanksgiving Day game in which he threw the pick six to Eddie Jackson and threw that interception in the end zone by Fuller against the Bears in which Chase Daniel had the game and beat him. Then it's like he's got a broken back, you know, like they're chiseling off a body cast to take him into Ford Field to play the games. Now, he had some back fractures, and I'm not minimizing the injury. He had trouble sitting down and things like that. He's tough as nails. All that stuff is true. But it wasn't like he had a broken back, like he was in a plane crash or something, all right? And then, we, you know, I mean, seriously, they weren't bringing him off a flatboard for the game. All right? So he, he's terrible. Comes out the next year and plays really well, right? Not at an MVP level like everybody's saying. But when he gets hurt, all of a sudden, the legend of Matthew Stafford grew. You know, like, this guy's great. And then we're watching David Blau and Jeff Driscoll and all this stuff. Comes back this year, right? The, the coach, the general manager, their jobs are on the line. And he played terribly through 11 games. Now, you know, you say, well, stat, look it up, man. Three pick sixes, uh, all this stuff. So every time the expectations have risen, you know, where Matthew Stafford's going to take that next step, he goes down. Now, that's what I would tell them. Now, I don't know if I'd have enough to get that into a segment, uh, things like that, but that is the truth. Now, he's terrific in a lot of ways. He's a terrific person. I hope he does well with this opportunity. I give him credit for going where the pressure is really hot on him and doing it. We'll see whether he's able to get it done. But he has a long track record of not when expectations have risen. And it's not just because of the defense. It's not just because of the running game. Part of the reason their defense isn't good because they're constantly drafting weapons around him. So that's what I would tell them, Jake, just in a, in a long uh, ranting thing. But, and I know you've heard it before. I've, I've written about it on the 97 one, the ticket website, you know, uh, it just, it's the way it is with, with Matthew Stafford. It's, I don't know. It's a dichotomy. It's the dichotomy is this. He's the best at comebacks of any quarterback, you know, per ratio ever. If you look at it, and he's also the worst by far ever when it comes down to pick sixes, and that defines Matthew Stafford. You got to take the good with the bad, and this is why we brought the encyclopedia himself on to to walk all of our listeners through that. And I think that's one thing and one reason why I'm looking forward to this next era, whether Jared Goff works or not, is because. Lions fans don't know what winning is, obviously. And so everyone has been so entrenched and, and, and loved Matthew Stafford so much that it is the, this he can do no wrong. It's the GM, it's the Fords, it's the coaches, it's the OCs, it's always someone else. But now I think, or I hope, that Lions fans with Jared Goff, because he's not ours, right? We're getting him from somewhere else. He's not drafted, homegrown, Lions guy. And, and I think he really endeared himself to the city with that Browns game and the, and the shoulder and all that stuff early on Stafford did. And so I think that's why it's really exciting. Just, we can actually have an honest evaluation of a quarterback. Now, do you think is, are you expecting something like that? Well, you know, uh, Tony, the thing about it is that a lot of the criticism Stafford, I was his biggest defender for like a decade, because if you remember correctly, he got all the blame and not enough of the credit for a long time. 
at first. I mean, you're right. You know, and all the things that Lions fans think about failures of ownership, uh, management, their poor drafting, that's true. All right. So you got to balance it with what did Stafford have to do with it? It's just in the last year or so, it's it's kind of run away this thought that the Lions have wasted this great talent and that he has had nothing to do with it. When in reality, there have been times when they've done well. And the, the, the problem with the Lions, uh, in just my opinion, uh, in, in their approach, has been the one time they actually had a chance was when they drafted Stafford. They hit rock bottom and they had to rebuild. And since then, after they got to a certain point where they were legitimate playoff contenders, made the playoffs, did some things, they couldn't take the next step. They were constantly trying to get back into the playoffs rather than looking at the bigger picture and the long game. You know, it's like year by year, if they make the wild card, this is a franchise that's 0-9 in wild card games. So it, 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 it tells you exactly where it gets you if you're not built to actually win in the playoffs. So they need to go into that mode and we'll see whether it works now. And the Rams have given the Lions a gift here. The gift is a chance for Brad Holmes and company. You know, John Dorsey, who's advising him, those who've had some success uh, with later draft picks in their time and had astute evaluations on quarterbacks with Goff and Mahomes, the opportunity to hit the ground running with this. So, and I don't know how it's going to work out with Goff and all that, but it, it would, and it's good for Stafford because he, it wasn't going to happen for him in Detroit. So the opportunity for him is the windows open for him. So it, it's a win-win trade, you know, from that. No doubt, Pat. And it's, it, you must be a professional because you, you're segueing exactly to where I wanted to go into next. And that is, you know, obviously we've talked at time and time again at length about this new quote unquote era of Lions football, new head coach, new general manager. And now you look at, at, at the draft capital that they have come up with in the next couple of years. What would you like to see them do first and foremost in this upcoming draft and the direction of this franchise? What would you like to see it? Which direction would you like to see them go? I don't know. You know, Jake, it's a hard question to answer. Usually I got like a, a, a died in the wool opinion. I, my personal feeling on it is if Justin Fields there at seven, I'd run up there as fast as I could and give that card to him. I would play golf next year. I'd develop fields. That's how I would do it. Um, I don't see a, a, an obvious impact defensive player. You know, uh, no, uh, no cornerbacks we could take with like the second uh, overall pick. Maybe a tight end. Uh, yeah, uh, Patrick Sertan or something. I don't know from Alabama. There's a couple uh, edge rusher types, and but nobody that's obvious. The Rosano kid from uh, Miami. Uh, the receivers, uh, not. I, I predict that Smith, DeAndre Smith, is going to drop like a stone in the draft uh, from Alabama because he's so small. So uh, I think he'll be taken in the first round. But I, I think they'll have a camera on him. You know, with the zoom and everything with uh, the draft, they'll be like, nobody's taking DeAndre Smith yet. Uh, Chase from uh, LSU set out this year is the better prospect, uh, in my opinion. But there's no obvious way, you know, to do this. Uh, what they have to do is start thinking about hoarding draft picks. Again, this is something I wrote about on our website. Get as many draft picks as you can and then hit on those picks. Now, I'll give you a classic example of it. Uh, the Lions traded up to get Miguel Lashur. Do you, you all remember that? Oh, yeah. All right. Illinois so, fighting Illini, right? 
running. Yeah, back. right, right. He, he ran that circle pass against Michigan about 10 times and scored touchdowns. <laughs> Michigan still won it, though. <laughs> Craig Rowe with the big stop, 67-65. The triple with three OT, four OT? Yeah, it was just an incredible game. Was and and Miguel was short. But anyway, long story short, they throw a fifth-round pick in there, right, to Seattle. Now, you think to yourself, okay, you know, what does that mean or whatever? Well, they used that pick and drafted Richard Sherman. Now, their own pick that year, a kid named Legree, a safety, he never played in the NFL, all right? So that extra pick gave them an extra shot and improves your odds analytically to hit in the draft. The more picks you have, especially second, third round, fourth round or whatever, you know, early in the draft, but even fifth rounders, it gives you a chance. And their sixth round pick was Byron Maxwell. A couple years later, when they beat Denver in the Super Bowl, those were their starting corners for the Legion of, of, of Boom. So, you know, if you start doing things like that, all of a sudden your program turns around dramatically. And even the Rams, the Rams right now, you know, they're this thing about them trading their draft picks the first round seven years in a row. The Rams are the Rams right now because they took Donald, Todd Gurley, and golf in consecutive drafts, it turned around their program. Now, two of those guys aren't there anymore, but they don't get there. The Rams don't make that progress forward to get into this spot. And that's how it works. It's about depth, about getting players. And you can turn it around relatively quickly in the NFL compared to the NHL where the guys are playing uh, junior hockey, college hockey over in Europe or whatever, or baseball where it takes forever for a player to develop and all that. Uh, even the NBA, where you're you're taking kids that are one and done, uh, this is different. They're more ready-made for the NFL. You know, in three or four years, whether you got the right draft pick, right? You absolutely do, and that's why it's been so interesting seeing the Rams implement this philosophy. Just a quick thought here about they're going with the bird in the hand theory. Uh, like they would rather someone like Matthew Stafford, who is proven right now, when they see their window open, instead of betting on maybe a few potential first round picks who could do some things and you, you never know what you're going to get, where you're going to be drafting. I mean, they're it, either go all the way in or don't, but just pick a lane and they picked one. Well, I, and, I do. You know, Tony, that's a great point. And that's how I always say, but I would say this to Sean McVay, it's like <laughs> some unsolicited advice for him that he's never going to ask me, but it's like Matthew Stafford's a lot more like Jared Goff than he realizes that that I would say yeah I mean he got him to, he got him to the Super Bowl so maybe it's just Stafford can be a little bit more to get over the hump right I sound like every caller uh, on the ticket staff oh, no no been- it might be it might be you know absolutely Jay it might be because you know Stafford will be motivated you know this is a fresh start for him you know he's got you know the work ethic and all that so perhaps it does happen it does but there's also a possibility, and I think more of a possibility, that this was Sean McVay just got really ticked off about golf and they didn't get along, mm-hmm. and he did something that was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. It's not like they're getting Aaron Rodgers. Say Aaron Rodgers went there, or when Tampa got Tom Brady. You know, there's a whole different dynamic with Matthew Stafford. Right, He's not sure. like ready-made to do, you know, he hasn't done this before like those quarterbacks have. Absolutely. And, and Pat, we'll, uh, we'll get you out the door on this. We appreciate the, the time and the insight and whatnot. And, and Tony and I have discussed this quite a bit. And just the fact that 
you know, shifting to the Lions now, we 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 have all this momentum and, and a lot of and a, a momentum. Use that term loosely. It, all this offseason excitement for the first time in quite a while. It feels like there's at least a direction for the Detroit Lions. And is it is it is it off base here to be optimistic and hopeful for the Lions' future? Are we setting ourselves up to be hurt again? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's just going to be hard because the team's not competitive probably right away. Yeah, it's going to take some time. Right, and every team in town is in rebuilding mode. I think <laughs> that that's a that's a difficult situation. Um, so, but yeah, I think it is time to be hopeful uh, because Brad Holmes, that you know, from my understanding, uh, Jake and Tony it, it was somebody that was uh, he's very well respected in the league. This didn't come from Lions people or people that. Uh, you know, recommend him for the job or whatever. Uh, people that I know trust said that to me, you know, uh, in background. And I think there's some hope there. I don't know how their front office structure is going to ultimately work. I mean, they got a lot of cooks and not a lot of ingredients in that kitchen. But, um, you know, I, I think there's a chance, especially with this trade uh, for them, uh, as I stated earlier, to hit the ground running and then have something to build that's of substance, not, you know, just style or, you know, a house of cards that could fall apart first time the wind blows hard. Right. right. And I, Jake, I know we just said that we'd wrap it up, but I'm going to break the rules because I could talk to Pat all day about this. This is really going to be the last one, Pat, because you said how all four teams are in a, are in a rebuild. But am I delusional? It's a similar question, but slightly different to think that the city is in a better place than it has been in three, four years. I mean, the Pistons have failed to embrace it the the red wings have failed to embrace it the tigers have done it but they did it the wrong way not getting any good anything good back when they were sending people off and they had to wait until mize and manning and scuba and all these guys are ready do you feel better about the neck about where they are now than 2017 let's say the city yeah you know yeah it's I'm, look we're hardcore sports guys right we, we watch it uh, you know we're into it so uh, for me uh, it's very interesting. Okay. And it is the right way. And the Tigers, you know, give you an idea on baseball rebuilds, they have gotten a payoff in some of those trades, you know, but it wasn't the Verlander trade, you know, but uh, Candelero's played well. He's the one. Jake knows I butcher his name every night. <laughs> that was good, though. You got and, it uh, that time. <laughs> Practice that paid off. Time. Yeah. Practice. Well, I really helped. We had him on Tiger Talk last week. Yep. I pronounced his name right. And uh, also uh, uh, Paredes, they got those two in a trade for uh, uh, Wilson and Avila from uh, the Cubs. So uh, that's the way baseball prospect type of trades work. And you got to wait for them to pan out. And we don't know whether those guys are going to pan out yet. But when everything comes together, it tends to come together quickly, like what happened in uh, Kansas City a few years ago in their farm system you know, uh, was getting uh, all these accolades. And then it just, they weren't that good. They weren't that good. And then all of a sudden it took off. You I don't know what's going to happen with Detroit. Yeah, same type of thing. So we'll have to see on that. But uh, yeah, it's just, you know, but the Red Wings, definitely Steve Eisenman knows what he's doing. That team right now, if they uh, brought over Maritz Sider uh, and uh, Valino possibly or Bergman, uh, this kid that's down in Sweden, and uh, also Lucas Raymond, their first pick, and dropped them on their roster now, the team would get better. But they're doing the right thing by in, the, in these circumstances with the COVID by playing them over in Europe. Mertz Sider probably be their best defenseman right now. So there's a lot of circumstances that are involved in it with building. 
where you got to be smart. And all those franchises, the Pistons, the Tigers, probably most justifiably because of Mike Illich and what he was trying to do is win at all costs. Uh, the Pistons all extended, you know, playoff, try to get into the playoff type of mentality rather than building a championship for too long. And now they've embraced it and they've gone a little bit down the road here, you know. So we'll see how it goes. I like what the Pistons are doing as well. I just wish they had played some of their younger players more like uh, Demoye. You know, I butchered his name again, like Jake knows I do. Every time. <laughs> no, you're on your A game, Pat. You are totally on your A game. And uh, for that, we appreciate We appreciate the time, man. This was a, a ton of fun, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Thanks so much, Pat. Thanks a lot, Jake, man. And by the way, man, clean up for the Batson, man. You got to shave, you know, do all that stuff, okay? Man? <laughs> the perfect that'll, that'll work a lot. That'll work a lot better for you, man. And, uh, get some roses, please. Buddy. Hey, okay. I, got a fa- I got a face for radio, man. You know that. I got a lot of work to do, but uh, in, in due time, we'll keep you posted on that. Right, I want to say this about Jake. Jake's a great, great uh, uh, partner to work with on the air. I appreciate everything about him. He's a terrific kid. And uh, I just appreciate Jake very much. And I appreciate uh, meeting you, Tony. Yes, likewise, likewise. And that's, I recruited him onto this podcast for a reason. I, I, know, I know what he brings to the table. And uh, I, I bat up in a lot of leagues in my life with my girlfriend, now with my podcast partner. You got it. You, if you don't surround yourself with the best, you're not going to be the best. So uh, they, I, I echo those sentiments. Uh, make and, be, and nice to officially meet you. <laughs> make me uncomfortable, all this positivity. I got to get back to the station where there's more negativity, you know? We'll see you. Take care, buddy. All right. See you, Pat. All right. All right. Huge thanks to our guy, Pat Caputo. And Tony, I I, I kind of, I tried, I did my best to, to not warn, but just almost inform you of how the man knows more about anything than, than anyone. I mean, the guy can talk for, he was pulling out stats and, and, and statistics and those are stats, Jake, and records and, and years. And, and it just, I mean, that's, that's the type of stuff you get from Pat Caputo. Yeah, he went almost through the Lions schedule for about <laughs> seven years in a row, but, but it's, we said this about a few of our other guests. It's like he does it for a living. I mean, he, it was very engaging. It was informative. Uh, and it was all things I knew, but nothing that like, but you got to see it and hear it all together. And it's like, you know, that's a good point. That's a good point. And I had forgotten that when Justin Tucker hit that game winning 61 yard field goal on Monday night, I had forgot that the Ravens hadn't scored a touchdown that night, but that's true. I looked it up and I didn't need to cross reference him, but I just wanted to look at the box score. Stafford was horrible. He was right. And uh, it was a lot of fun to have him on. Absolutely. They, there's a reason that uh, he was known for, for a long time. And that's, every now and then we get some callers in that will refer to him as the book. Patrick Caputo, the book. The guy just knows it. But uh, in all seriousness, man, a, a lot of fun. Another great episode in the books. Um, I think, uh, you know, as we start to move forward here, and I would feel good about the closure that we've had, you know, because it's most important how we feel. I have closure with Matthew Stafford. I, I do, too. I think we can, we can officially uh, flip the page and start writing that next chapter because this one was underwhelming. This last one. No doubt. We can tie a bow on it. We can land the plane. Any other cliches or anything of that nature. But uh, that's going to do it. Any, oh, before any big weekend plans. I know big, we haven't talked enough Northwood basketball because, you know, that's, uh, you know. What what do we got on the docket? The women's program is at home against a tough Northern Michigan team. Northern Michigan, the alma mater of quite a few famous alumni. Tom Izzo, Steve Mariucci, and now Robert, well, it has been for a while, but he's more famous now. Robert Sala. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And Are they the 
power that you talk about, or is it Michigan Tech? Michigan the, Tech, oddly one. enough, has been really good in men's... <laughs> the, the power, I call them. <laughs> yeah. In men's and women's basketball, they've just always had really good programs. And they haven't... I mean, it's not like they've dominated with a ton of titles. They're just always in that, that upper echelon. But both uh, both Northern Michigan's men and women's teams will be streaky. Um, they've had some good men's teams and some good women's teams. But uh, this year, you know, all right, I'm really diving into my scouting report. Um, Makaili Kuhn has been a two-time GLIAC Player of the Week already, and we're only four weeks into the season. So she's third in the GLIAC in scoring. I'm so excited to stream this game alongside you and hear, both and, teams, and hear you call Both it. teams are six and three. Both teams suffered uh, defeats against Saginaw Valley, which I thought they'd win that game. So the common opponents, I'm just going to continue to dive into the scouting report here. Until I wrap it up. Yeah, Thanks yeah. so much, Jake. <laughs> Thanks so but much, But wait, you got to hear one more. <laughs> <laughs> we had a great time, as always. More guests coming. You know, we might even talk very briefly Super Bowl on Monday. Just just thoughts. Is that going on? I hear it. Oh, sorry. The big game, as yes. we refer to it as uh, on your station. Right, the big right, game is right, going. Right, and right. it will be on our airwaves. I work for CBS. I'm a company man look at that uh, and uh so i'll be pressing the button. i'll be pressing that button i'll be pressing the buttons for that uh that, that broadcast on that and i'll be doing nothing i'll be watching it alone so jealous let's do it all right until next time we will talk to you soon michigan peace